You are listening to John Kherika on SFM. John Kherika in for SFM Viewpoint today. Good to have you along today. Uh, you can also call us at 11714-2006. It's going to be an interesting conversation now because it's something that we need, but can we afford it? The Department of Social Development, in collaboration with the International Labour Organization and the UN Sustainable Development Goals Joint Fund, appointed an independent panel of experts to conduct extensive on, uh, research on basic income support. These are income grants. This is what we're talking about, right? So let's talk to Dr. Joni Masabayana, Director of the International Labour Organization in Pretoria. Doc, thanks very much for joining us. Let's start at the beginning. What is a basic income grant? Um. The basic income grant is, is, let's say, money from the government, which is given to people who are unemployed. Uh, and essentially, there's a debate whether it's money that should be given to everybody in the population or it should be particularly targeted for those that have no other alternative income. So that would essentially be what the key definition of a basic income grant is. Okay, so so technically, uh, as you're saying, a basic income grant could be for every single person in the country if they're over the age of whatever. Even if you're earning a million bucks a month, you can still get your basic income grant. Yes, and in that case, what government? So that so the first is the policy issue of do we want to help people with uh, an income. Mm-hmm. The second is how best do we reach those people? So the administrative cost of trying to reach those that absolutely need it may be much higher than the benefit itself. So then <laughs> in many country jurisdictions, you would rather say we give everybody and those that have an income, we claim it back through taxing them more to get right. it back. Okay. We reduce the administrative cost. Okay. What is What are the benefits before we go into the cons of a basic social income grant? The main benefit, uh, John, is, I don't want to dramatize it, but then we, we make the possibility of what happened in July much more remote. I don't know if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in other words, there's, there'll be less anger. People will not be as desperate as the people were during the riots. Exactly. Okay. And, 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 and then there's another effect. So, so, if I may expand further on that, we always hear that uh, unemployed youths are not just an economic burden, but they are also a social, let's say, a, a threat to the stability of society. Mm. If I if I mm. could explain further on that, but when we put money in the hands, particularly of those that may have little or no alternative income, research has shown, including here through the research on the assistance facilities offered by the uh, Department of Social Development that they spend the majority of that money uh, on buying essential food items. And that has the knock-on effect of stimulating economic activity mm-hmm. in those communities. Now, if, if, the, if, if it could be structured so that in those communities the money circulates, it could stimulate communities that would otherwise, as it is now, be very income-deprived. So that would have the net effect of raising economic activity um, in, let's say, informal settlements and places where people who would otherwise have no alternative income would be. And that has the effect as well of then increasing the net increase, the net income that government gets through tax revenue. Because then you'd start to have people 
coming into the tax nets who would otherwise not be able to do so. Mm-hmm. These are, let's say, the main arguments for the basic income grant. But essentially it is that the ILO, the UN, stands for a principle called leaving no one behind. Mm-hmm. That would ensure that in hopefully in the in short to medium term, the economy will pick up and demand for labor will increase and we would still have people who through labor market, labor market activation programs would be available to the economy, to enterprises when that rainy, when, when the good day comes past these rainy days of the economy that we are facing. Mm. Okay, there are positives. It makes sense. There, there's more money in circulation. There's more ways uh, for, for small businesses to take advantage of that. Is it not just the same RAND that is just moving around in circles? What Besides, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's like, well, here's your uh, round numbers. Here's your 1,000 RAND. You're going to spend it on a small business. You can tax the small business more. Is it not just the government just moving money around? Uh, the other argument, John, is that that money has a crowding in effect. Uh, so to speak, uh, 10 rand has the effect of attracting another 10 rand. Okay. But if the initial 10 rand is not there, then it wouldn't attract the additional uh, uh, 10 rand. So it, it's it's, it's, it's more important that people have a certain amount that would stimulate their activity, that would stimulate their, their economic activity, which would not otherwise happen if they wouldn't have. Then they would be able, through that economic activity, to raise much more income than the initial grant that they, they, they've been given. All right. Makes sense. What is the negative aspect of, of giving out social grants to everybody? I think I can identify two. The first is cost, that depending on how it is structured, it could have the effect of increasing the, 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 the financial stress levels of a fiscal that is already quite constrained. But that is a design issue. depends how it is designed and how it will be funded. But to be fair, there is a challenge on the affordability. It's a, it's a fair argument to have. It's a necessary uh, assessment to be done to see the feasibility of it. The, the, the second is that in some countries it has been noticed that a significant percentage, even if they're in the minority, would become dependent on the grants themselves. Mm. And then you would have a cohort in society that do not become actively economically engaged but would rather just wait for the grant. So that is a drawdown as well on it. I'm just thinking that there, there's this fa- it's it's a brunt of jokes in England that what are you going to do when you grow up? Well, I'm going to go live on the dole. I'm going to live on the social grants. I'm going to go live in a council house. There's that possibility, right? That is, to be fair, it's a reality that could that could happen. But experience, you have talked about England. We could talk about Norway. We could talk about Finland. We are depending on how it is designed that risk is mitigated to a minimal amount. Let's be fair, in any society, you have people who choose <laughs> yes. uh, to, 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 to not be involved in anything, whether or not there's a grant or not. Mm. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I, okay. I was handing over to you. Dr. Joni Masabayana is my guest, Director of the International Labour Organization in Pretoria. Uh, can I guess the big thing we're talking about is affordability. Um, mean monthly per capita household disposable income the the top 
you know, it's broken down into 10, right? So from, from lowest income to the highest income. The highest income are currently earning three or four times more than number nine. Yeah, and then they are d- earning double number eight. And then the, the, the graph sort of gets slower. That, you're obviously going to rely on nine and 10 to pay for those social grants. Do we have enough nine and 10 income group to pay for one through eight? Look, John, um, I'm from the ILO, we're an international organization, and the more to present the concept, do the analysis, and as has happened in this case, assist and support with the the intellectuals in the country who know the terrain well, who know all the trade-offs that have to be made, and they are the ones, and they are the ones who would then uh, make the policy proposals to government. So I want to make a disclaimer here, John, that we we discuss the concept, but we don't discuss okay. the policy. We discuss the thematic challenges that the, the, the government could face, but we, we, we shy away from trying to prescribe what the specific realities would be, because that is best left to the national authorities. And in this case, what has happened with this report, we have supported the Department of Social Development to put together a panel of um, seven experts who are local but also has international experience in how best to to design the program and what are the challenges, what are the different design challenges that could mm. be faced. Okay. Do, do we have a social grant at the moment? There are children's grants. There are uh, pensioners' grants. There are a number of grants that are coming from the South African government. Is, would, would all of those fall away and this would take that place? Again, there, those, would be the, those would be the design issues that the, the national government and the authorities would have to discuss okay. how best these different grants need to relate to each other and to avoid there is a concept john that we call double dipping so that you are not people are not jumping from one grant to the other Mm. yeah give us examples and if you want to talk bigger picture examples of places where a newly implemented social grant has been successful i think in general i could refer you to in the first place the countries in europe you were already talking about the uk Mm. I think it is fair to say, John, that any develop, uh, any developed economy would have to have a certain measure of a grant system. That is how that is that is how society is now. But the most interesting one that I can share with you is Norway, mm-hmm. where because you know that the oil resources, uh, Finland, and you know that in the recent elections we saw in the U.S. they were also discussing the possibility. Um, I think the Democrats were giving it as a policy option to 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 give a grant to everybody, to every American. I think they were talking about two thousand US dollars for every American. So this is a debate that is being had by higher higher highly developed countries, mm. but also the BRICS, the middle income countries that South Africa are let's say comparators with uh, the BRICS, Brazil, India, China, um uh, they, they are they, they are also engaged in this type of debate. 
All right, we've got a couple of voice notes. Uh, you can also give us a call, 0117142006. More than happy to take your calls. My guest is Dr. Joni Musabayana, Director of the International Labour Organization in Pretoria. Uh, we've got a voice note to play for you. Hi, John, by handing out cash as a basic income grant, what portion of this will land up in the coffers of the SA breweries? And what portion will go to the drug lords? Rather, give them food vouchers or clothing vouchers or, or some sort of vouchers. Michael from Cape Town. Uh, that's one of the many worries, Joni, uh, Dr. Joni, is how do you make sure America has food stamps, so you make people buy food. Is, is that something that you've seen across the globe? Yes, I think it, it's, again, that issue of trying to ensure that we avoid people, uh, one, misusing the grant. I think studies here in South Africa with the child grant or the old age grant have shown that the majority of the people use the grant to buy basic food items. Mm. I think 90% studies have already shown that. So, yes, if there is a, if there is a design risk that people may not use the grant for what you can say productive economic activity and social activity, then giving food items, food vouchers could be an idea. Just just run through those facts again. You find that 90-odd percent actually use the grant for basic food items. Yes. I think there was a study done by HSRC, which showed that uh, up to 8, 90% of the, of, the, of the grant recipients Use the food particular. Use the money particularly for basic food items. Hmm. All right, got a couple more voice notes. Let's take two of them on oh six one four one zero four one zero seven. Hi, John. How realistic is it in terms of the grant to everyone who needs it? Where will the money come from? Is there going to be a wealth tax, or is it going to be a socialist state so that? that affordability is made evenly? Those are just some questions that I want to ask because capitalists always want to make profit and that's why you've got the big gap. That's money. Uh, Dr. Masabayana, I guess that's the point of the study, right? That they're, they're looking into all the different ways to A, raise funds and, 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 and how that is going to be gathered. Doc, you there? I would say for the detailed analysis of uh, sorry I was muted there, no of of the of the financing options, you may need those who have worked with the done the number crunching, mm. which I, I must make a disclaimer, I, I I was not a member of the panel, so you may want the panelists to okay. come and have this discussion, but but suffice it to say, my reading of the report is that there's the option of debt financing, there's the option of. Um, uh, dispensable taxation, particularly of those at the higher, higher income, uh, uh, higher income groups. So there are different models of how best to to fund it that have been that have been put on the table by the report, and that is essentially what the consultation around the report will be will be looking at. And then it's up to the Department of Social Development to come up with a plan, and then that has to go through a whole long process. <laughs> uh, when you look at the, the countries that you've mentioned, Norway and England in particular, we've used them as an example, the USA as well, they, they are pretty wealthy countries, both um, 
because of history and because of, of, of resources. South Africa could be a very rich country if, if the money is looked after correctly. Is that something that would be a worry as well as an international organization like you? Let me say, John, that the uh, Kenya is looking at it, Ethiopia is looking at it, um, India is looking at that possibility, um, um, Russia. So I would say countries at different levels of, uh, uh, can I call it, development maturity are all looking at this possibility of the basic income grant. It is COVID has exposed mm. The, the, the social risk that comes with huge inequality and leaving many groups of uh, the population, particularly young people, without any kind of income. But on the other hand, it is clear that when economies have been closed during COVID, when they have opened, the numbers of people who have been absorbed through employment is not as before. We have seen that there is almost a million uh, jobs lost at least in, in, in the South African context, and so and that is the reality of most of the countries in the world, despite the level at which they may be, and how to keep those people actively engaged, so that as the economies pick up, we still have a labour force that is available to mm-hmm. to to engage productively. Otherwise, see, without a, a basic income grant, you run the risk of having people who then engage in let's say, rioting and looting, I see this probably as the alternative uh, way of earning something to put on the table. And I know you don't want to talk money, Dr. Joni Masabania, but what sort of what sort of rand value do you imagine a grant to be? There's the 350 rand grant that was given out during COVID. Is it is it in the region of the lowest of the low of the uh, of of an income, like a thousand bucks a month, or you're looking at three thousand rand a month? Do you, I know I know that's not your your what you, what you do, but whereabouts is that figure? Having uh, thanks for accepting my disclaimer. <laughs> let me just say that. There is already the 350, which is the which is already being given. If my reading of the report is correct, part of the thinking is to start low and then incrementally move upwards towards hopefully uh, um, the poverty datum line. Okay, all right. Uh, so, 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 so my my reading of the report is to start around the 350 area, extend that and then over time see how best to build it up. Mm. All right, let's go to a couple of calls. Colin in Cape Town, good evening to you. John, good evening. Go ahead. And good evening to your guest. You know, I disagree with your guest. Mm. There's there's some parts where I don't don't understand where he's going to. 90% of the people use their grants for necessities. I don't know where he's living. Maybe in Bishop's Court or wherever it is. But come into the townships and come into the, the poorer areas. When it comes to pension day or children's grants, things like that, there are more drunk people, mothers, fathers, walking in the streets. And six days later, the money is gone. And... Then I come to your doorstep looking for nappies, looking for this, looking for that. 
So I don't know where your guess comes on 90%. Maybe in Finland, Switzerland, and those countries that appreciate, but this is Africa. We've got, I would say, 90% of those people that's on uh, ground mm. by their liquor, by their bottle, by their drugs. That is where the money is going to. And another thing I want to ask him, where is the money coming from? Who is going to determine if you get a thousand rand this year, you get a thousand four hundred rand next year, and a thousand, and so it goes up and up. We only got about four million taxpayers at all running this country, excluding the VAT people, people that pay VAT and things like that. Those people are slowly leaving our country. Business is not coming in anymore. So I, I would like to ask you guess, where does it come that uh, we can do it? Okay. Where is the money coming from in the first place? Or we to go to the IMF and lend money and pay more interest and more interest? It's, it's been semi-answered, Colin, but we'll get my guest, Dr. Joni Masabayana, to be able to answer that. Uh, Doc, if you just want to write down some of those questions, I just want to go through two more callers as well. Uh, Mukesh in Johannesburg, hi. Hi, John, your guests and the other listeners. There has been a pilot project that has been launched in Namibia to show most of the money circulates in the local community. Mm-hmm. And people hardly spend it, you know, on, on an alcohol mm. fuel bath. And I, I would say we need to look start at a poverty income level of 1,500. And uh, also to say, if you look, I mean, President Becky, former, said, you know, the, the government is able to, to create jobs. And instead of calling it a basic income grant, I think it should be given to everybody. But we should get another name, like a universal basic income, because everybody's paying tax. Thanks. All right. Yeah, thank you very much. It's Yeah, it's uh, technically, um, I, I forget what it's called, social development, uh, uh, basic income support for 18 to 60-year-olds. So it's not a grant. Uh, the official report is on basic income support, uh, which is, yeah, that's that's what they're calling. It's not necessarily a grant. Uh, to Asia quickly, before we go back to our guest. Asia, hi. Aisha? Good evening, John. Hi, go ahead. And not to Aisha quickly. Aisha's got a lot to say about it. <laughs> Bring it on, Aisha. Uh, good evening to your guests. Now, the professor who's, who's, who worked on this report was on your radio station today mm-hmm. to tell us that they decided that they're giving us 350 rand and progressively, because he is sitting in the lap of luxury, so he can talk about progressively increasing it. Now, let me inform you that to fill a 9-kilogram bottle of gas today in Uppington costs 300 rand. So what am I supposed to eat from a, for a, with a 50 rand for the rest of the month? And, and, and and another thing, Colin, I'm sick and tired of you coming on air and talking negative things all of the time. And I, I agree with the previous caller that if I want to give a, 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 a basic income, it mustn't be less than 1500 or they can keep it. 
Anything else, Aisha? Hello? Anything else? We've been listening. No. All right. That is all. Two points, Aisha in Uppington. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Plenty to, for you to go through there, Dr. Joni Masabiana, Director of International Labor Organization in Pretoria. Uh, any, well, run through the answers if you can. John, first acknowledge that um, the debate brings with it, as we have seen from the contributors, uh, great emotional feelings on both sides. Mm. So that is uh, to just acknowledge the listeners' strong feelings on the issue. It is indeed an emotive issue. What we, as the ILO, the International Labor Organization, try to do is to try to, if we can, take clear from the emotion and try to look at the merits of the argument on both sides. Now, the first caller from Cape Town was talking about his lived experience about people who, after receiving the grant, drink, uh, and after six days it's finished, he says, and then they come asking for nappies and so on. We, we can't argue with his lived experience, but the reality is that the numbers of people who are getting... Um, grant support. I, I cannot be too convinced, but I think I have a figure about around 80 million in my head, which I've read somewhere. So it could be, it is so that a significant number, a minority may abuse the facility. But that does not speak for the vast majority. Mm. The study that I'm referring to was done by HSRC which is a very credible institution academically, I think. And therefore, we, we would go with, with their findings. If there is empirical evidence that the majority of the recipients of the grant abuse it, I think that has not been shown by the research that has been undertaken so far. If there is some that they would like to show us, other than anecdotal evidence of what happens with my neighbor, which may not be happening throughout all the beneficiaries of the grant. Um, but I respect his view and what he has seen, but the empirical evidence on the majority of the recipients does not bear out the view that he has expressed. Mm. The second, I think the second caller was also supporting that in Namibia, which is another neighboring country, and we have also been associated with that work by... Um, uh, in Namibia, shows also that the majority of the people use the money in a responsible way. So I, I thank the second caller for for, for reinforcing uh, the, the the argument. The the third caller, Aisha, I think is really speaking about the the level of uh, the the grant and at what level she would find it acceptable, and that she has a problem with the incremental concept and that while it's increasing like that people would still be suffering and that shows the reality that many of those who are receiving it even today when it was being presented in the presence of minister lindu azul and ourselves there was a a a grant recipient who was brought on and the main point she was making today which is the same point aisha is making is that it's it's not anywhere near enough to meet the overall need that families have out there when they have no other source of income. And mm-hmm. that is also uh, very well acknowledged. So the, the, the issue of incrementalism, I think, increasing it gradually is largely supported 
also to balance with the affordability issue, which I think uh, caller number one was also referring to, mm. saying where, where would really uh, the money the money come from? So, so I think in these three contributions, we see the first caller and the third caller really on separate sides of the argument, and that is. John, the reality of what we live with when we come to the issue of the basic income class. Yeah, that's why they've got these very ed- well-educated professors uh, bringing on this uh, this uh, panel. Uh, what is the process now, Doc? Uh, f- they've, they've released this report to the Department of Social Development. Is this going <clears> to <throat> happen in the next six months, six years, 60 years? Hopefully not 60 years, John, <laughs> because I may not be around to see what happens. <laughs> Um, my understanding, John, is that they are looking now at, um, because to my understanding, the the, the 350, the SRD is going to expire yes. um, uh, by March. And I think they are really trying to, to, to look at continuity and to ensure that by, by then they will have come up, hopefully with an alternative program. If not an alternative program, at least the key policy decisions on how to, to move forward on this would have been uh, addressed. And Honorable Minister Lindiwe Zulu, in her address, talked about the agency of the issue. So I, 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 I dare speculate, John, that it may not be six years. It may not even be six years. I think we may be looking at uh, six months at the max. Sure. But the government would be in a better position to really uh, articulate on the processes because mm-hmm. as the ILO, we are not crazy to all the processes that they would have to go through. Uh, just quickly, uh, we, we're, we're running out of time and just, uh, a message has just, just come through now. Um, as labor organization that you are, um, instead of an income grant, are there other alternatives that you have suggested maybe uh, to, to help people with jobs? Is it just money in the bank every single month or, or cash in their hand every single month? Or are there other alternatives that are being looked at as well? Like... Uh, making it easier for small businesses to start, tax incentives, those things? The, so this is, this package, the, 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 the universal income grant or basic income grant concept is but one of a number of policy options that governments are being supported with, particularly in the context now of the vulnerability societies have been exposed to in the context of uh, the COVID pandemic. The, the issue of enabling environment for business is another key area that we at the ILO are heavily engaged with. We have right now a partnership with BUSA. We have been looking at um, the issue of uh, stimulating economic activity, particularly at the lower end of the spectrum, which would be the same area where the majority of the beneficiaries of the grants would be engaged with. And that is another program that we are running as well and supporting uh, the government. We, we used to have a, a, a project which was looking at how to assist municipalities to reduce red tape at the municipal level. So it is it is not the one solution that is supposed to address all the, pro- the problems. It is an element of policy that should work in conjunction with a variety of other policy uh, uh, measures. Mm. And, and we at the ILO support quite a number of them, but there are other international organizations that look at other elements. Dr. Joni Masabayana, been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, John. Good evening. Director of the International Labour Organization in Pretoria.